He turned the ball over three times. Couldn't get it done. Couldn't get it done. Hey, let, let Russ cook, though, man. Let, let him cook. Russ, Russ for MVP, right? Russell Wilson, third, third in his division, huh? Nice. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Can I get a per- personal for a moment? Can we start the show with an intimate personal conversation? Uh, for the last couple of weeks, I- I've been explaining to you how I-, I need a break from the NBA. I just I need a break. You know, when you break up with somebody, you're in the early stages of maybe calling it quits in your relationship. You might tell them, hey, we just we need a break. We need to take some time off. Like like from Friends, when Ross and Rachel were, I don't, I don't know, I don't watch Friends. It's not funny, but they do that. We were on a break, and everybody thinks it's funny. It's not that that thing, right? Just need a break. We're not breaking up. Maybe we'll get back together. Maybe we'll find each other again down the line. But for now, we, we need a break, right? And I've been saying my ex-girlfriend is the NBA. And, and we're not breaking up. We're not calling it quits. I just, I need a break. Need some time away to reflect, find myself. And the Bucks and the NBA, they can do the same over the next month. Well, today I would like to announce excitedly that I am, I am crawling back to my ex-lover, the NBA, today. The break is over. It's done. I, I'm back full force. I am falling back in love. Head over heels for my once ex-lover, the NBA. The break is over. I'm back. Bucks made some moves. Team got a facelift. Offseason drama is in full tilt. This week is so much fun already. The NBA is back. I'm I'm 100% bought in. The break was uh was short-lived. So if you ever tell me, hey, Grant, remember when you quit on the Bucks? you quit on the NBA? All I'm going to tell you is we were on a break. Everybody think that's hilarious, right? Everybody loves that joke, that show, friends. That's what I will say. I was on a break. Break, now over. My name, Grant Bills, the Wisco Sports Show. The Bucks had quite the last 24 hours when we wrapped up the Wisco Sports Show yesterday. I was not expecting to come back tomorrow, 22 hours later at 4 p.m., and be talking about a completely different Bucks team, a completely different Bucks roster. But yet, here we are. That's why sports are fun, and especially why the NBA is fun. Turnover, changes, drama, trades, free agents, all that stuff. The Bucks got a facelift last night and in the wee hours of this morning. Let's talk about it. I'm glad you have tuned in. Now, we're not going to only go NBA today. Today is not the, the day to do two full hours of NBA talk. The season hasn't even started yet. But we are going to dig deep into the Bucks' new players the choices that they made, who they traded away, who they're getting in return. And if you're maybe not a diehard NBA fan, maybe you're just a casual, maybe you're just a distant observer, and maybe you only put up with the Bucks talk because you're here for the Brewers talk or the Packers talk. Well, I don't want to exclude you today. So I will do my very best to not assume that you know these players that we're talking about, to not assume these weird pieces of language and these weird contractual things that the NBA has and only the NBA has. So if you're not an NBA diehard, stick with me for a couple of minutes because don't worry, I'm, I'm not going to leave you in the lurch. And we are going to talk Packers today as well. We're going to attempt to have a discussion about whatever the hell that was last night on ESPN for Monday Night Football between the Bears and the Vikings. We knew it was going to be bad. I, We were prepared. And yet it was still horrible. It was still torture watching last night. The Vikings just barely squeezing out the win over the Bears. The, Bear, the Bears are bad. I apologize for nothing. A couple weeks ago, I was being a jerk, calling the Bears frauds when they were 5-1 and one or whatever their record was. I apologize for nothing. In fact, you should apologize to me because the Bears are worse, worse than I thought they even were at 5-1. and one. So we'll talk about that game here from Aaron Rodgers. A bunch of things today, but number one topic, number one focus, the trades that the Bucks have made. Now, if you want to join the show, shoot me a text, 608-796-2558. I'll open up the phones before too long as well. And if you're on Twitter, you can find me at Wisco Grant. So if you haven't been paying attention, you haven't been on social media or haven't watched TV or listened to sports radio today, maybe you don't know, allow me to be the first to tell you that the Bucks have completely revamped their roster in the last 24 hours. Now, they still have their best player and their second best player, Giannis and Chris Middleton. They didn't go anywhere. And they still have Brooke Lopez. But other than that, uh, they, they don't really have anybody they had at this time yesterday. To summarize very quickly... The Bucks get Drew Holiday from the Pelicans, the New Orleans Pelicans. They get Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Sacramento Kings. And they lost George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, Ursan Ilyasova, and picks. All the picks. Every pick 
many first round picks. All right. Now, I want to take you through the timeline of exactly how all this went down. It all happened yesterday. All happened last night. In fact, if you went to bed early, uh, you might have missed some of it. I missed some of it and had to catch myself up this morning. It started yesterday when John Horst spoke with the media and cryptic with a grin on his face under his mask, almost calling a shot, saying, hey, the whole organization, coaching, front office, business side, we're, we're preparing for a hell of a week. It's just a continual process that we go through to be prepared to act quickly and to be able to pivot, you know, because none of these things happen um, with certainty. And you have to always be ready to pivot and adjust and, and kind of um, move on the fly. And that group's been incredible. Uh, we do all that stuff with our coaching staff, with our ownership group, with Peter and the business side. And um, it really prepares us to be, I think, best suited to make these decisions in quick, condensed time frames like this. Um, but it'll be... Uh, it's all coming to a head here. Like you said, five minutes ago, uh, trades can start happening and it's all going to happen here in the next couple of days. And it'll be a, a fun, exciting, um, hopefully very newsworthy period of time here for Bucks basketball. John Horst, you beautiful son of a gun. Can't keep the grin off his face because he knew. He's like, hey, we, we got some moves. Don't worry. Oh, Dennis Schroeder got moved. Yeah, don't worry about it. We got we got we got big plans. Got big plans. And he did, making a couple of moves last night. So let's go through the progression of things. We watched Monday Night Football. We put ourselves through that torture, watching the Vikings win. And I was about to go to bed. I've been going to bed at a good hour. That's why I'm so energetic every day at 4 o'clock. I've been getting my, my beauty sleep. And I was about to go to bed. And then the tweets start hitting. My phone starts buzzing. Adrian Wojnarowski, Shams Sharania. Why can't the NBA, can we change both of their names? Can we have like Alex Smith? And Russ Anderson. I hate having to pronounce Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams Sharania every time we talk about NBA news. I saw the tweet that Drew Holiday had been dealt to the Bucks. Now, that's not Drew with a D. That is J-R-U-E. Drew Holiday, although they sound basically the same. So the first tweet that I saw was Drew Holiday dealt to the Bucks for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and draft compensation. And I saw that and thought, uh, they got rid of Eric Bledsoe. They unloaded that contract and that player. Got rid of George Hill. I don't care what the draft compensation is. They did it. John Horst, congratulations. You did the unthinkable, and you got a team to take Eric Bledsoe, and you got the better player in return, Drew Holiday. Okay. And then a couple of minutes goes by, and the draft compensation is announced. It's three first-round picks and two future pick swaps. Okay, well, that's um that's a hefty price to pay. Sheesh. Uh, but okay, still down with it. Drew Holiday, if you know nothing about him, it's understandable. He's played kind of on no-name teams that really haven't impacted the Bucks. And if you're not a diehard NBA fan, you don't really have a reason to know who Drew Holiday is. He is a two-way, unselfish point guard who plays off the ball a little bit better than Eric Bledsoe, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger than Eric Bledsoe. He's a, more of a versatile defender for that reason. He can defend a couple different positions, whereas Eric Bledsoe because he was small, was a little bit more limited. And and most importantly, and sorry, this is putting it crudely, but I think this is the best way to state it. Uh, unlike Eric Bledsoe, Drew Holiday doesn't blow in the postseason. That is kind of important for the Bucks trying to win a title to convince Giannis to stay in Milwaukee long term. Maybe a couple of years ago, you'll remember when Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins Pelicans knocked off the Blazers, swept him right out of the first round in 2018. Yeah, Drew Holiday was the point guard on that team. Dealing with Rajon Rondo, dealing with DeMarcus Cousins, and then, of course, Anthony Davis, who was great in the postseason. Drew Holiday was the facilitator. He was the point guard on that team. He's been excellent in the postseason. He's had to assume multiple different roles, play on a couple of different rosters with a couple of different complementing pieces, most recently playing with Zion Williamson and a couple other young players, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. He's very good in the postseason. He doesn't blow in the postseason. And that's very important, seeing the postseason has kind of been the bugaboo for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Drew Holiday does two basketball things that are very important and should make a difference for the Bucks immediately. Two things that Drew Holiday does better than Eric Bledsoe. Number one, he's a better distributor. He's a better setup man. Now, Eric Bledsoe might get assists here and there. Assists aren't always the best indicator of a passing, distributing point guard. Like, James Harden will get assists here and there. Russell Westbrook will get assists here and there. But they hold the ball for such long periods of time. Right, they're such high volume players. Well, chances are if somebody's shooting, it's coming off of a James Harden pass because James Harden always has the ball. Drew Holiday is a better setup man than Eric Bledsoe, and this is a really 
telling statistic, maybe more so than assists, although I'm not saying to discard assists. That's not what I'm saying. But last year, Pelicans shooters averaged 1.25 points per shot on Drew Holiday passes, meaning whether the shot went in or not, they were getting good looks. They were getting consistently makeable looks. Drew Holiday, very good distributor around the rim, as we saw with Anthony Davis, but he can also distribute the ball around the perimeter. The Pelicans had a couple of of perimeter-oriented players, more so than at least a big like Anthony Davis. One thing, Drew Holiday distributes much better than Eric Bledsoe, and that should make a difference for the Bucs, given that Giannis and Middleton, while spectacular, can't always get the shot by themselves. Right? Giannis needs a little help sometimes to set up. Chris Middleton sometimes needs a little help to set up. Drew Holiday should help with that. Another thing that Drew Holiday does better than Eric Bledsoe, and I cannot state this enough, he can play off the ball. This is the biggest cliche in sports media right now because everybody in the NBA media wants to sound smart. Oh, this player is good. He can play off the ball. He can he can be effective without the ball in his hands, which is it, it's cliche. It's crap. Now, it's important if you understand what it means. Being able to play off the ball is important if you're not just saying it to sound smart. Playing off the ball is another trait that's especially important for the Bucs because their two best players are Giannis and Middleton, right? Drew Holiday needs to be effective when the ball isn't in his hands. Eric Bledsoe, when Giannis is holding the ball, doesn't really do a whole lot. He's not a catch-and-shoot player. Eric Bledsoe, when shooting threes, is, is much better off the dribble, which doesn't really help because they need a point guard who's effective when the ball is in Giannis's hands. Drew Bledsoe can catch-and-shoot. Not, yeah, Drew, not Drew Bledsoe, Drew Holiday, can catch and shoot. Meaning he can stand there without the ball in his hands and be effective waiting for the pass. Same with Chris Middleton. Because the ball is going to go to Giannis and Chris Middleton, they can have a point guard that is a waste of space when the ball isn't in his hands. And at times, that was Eric Bledsoe. They could just leave him. Don't pay attention to him. Because if he doesn't have the ball, he's not going to do anything. It's not like he can catch and shoot. Drew Holiday, on the other hand, can. Two things he does well, better than Bledsoe. Distribute and play off the ball. Drew Holiday for Bledsoe, Hill, and draft picks. A bunch of them. That was move number one. Now, after seeing that news, it felt like I wrapped my mind around it. I went to bed last night. And I felt excited, but I felt a little uneasy. Like, all right, we're, we're going for it. All right, traded away a couple of pieces. We're, we're, we're trying. We're shaking it up. Which is a, always a little bit of a risk in and of itself, but I, but I appreciate the aggression from John Horst. Now, I woke up this morning to literally Christmas morning. The Bucks traded in the wee hours of the night. Uh, for one of my favorite players in the entire NBA. That's Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Sacramento Kings. And as a secondary Kings fan, the Kings are my second favorite team. This is an absolute dream come true. We get a, a, a walking bucket from the Kings, and the Kings in return get DJ, Dante, and Ursan. Now, I don't really care about Ursan, but it'd be fun to watch Dante DiVincenzo play in my Kings. Maybe DJ Wilson gets some minutes. Who knows? Maybe him and Marvin Bagley can battle over who can be the less effective big man. We'll, we'll see. But as a secondary Kings fan, this is a blast. I get one of my favorite players coming from Sacramento, and a couple former Bucks now are playing in Sacramento, and I get to watch them. I love it. Here's what you need to know about Bogdan Bogdanovich, the player so great they named him twice. Here's what you need to know. You cannot leave him. You cannot leave him open. He bangs. Shot 37.5% from three last year. And this is important. He can shoot off the bounce, off the dribble, and he can catch and shoot. Very similar to maybe, if you only watch the Bucks, maybe Duncan Robinson is an interesting comp. I'd have to look at the numbers. I, I don't know if Duncan Robinson, if, I don't know if there's a big difference between his shooting percentages off the dribble and off the catch and shoot. I, I think just remember what I saw. This is just anecdotal evidence. There's no numbers to back this up, at least not numbers that I've seen or, or looked for. Duncan Robinson seemed like he could pull off the dribble and and off the pass and the assisted three-point shot. So if you're only watching the Bucks, maybe think of Duncan Robinson, who they played in the postseason. This is an offensive upgrade for Matthews. He's a better shooter than Matthews. Now he's a defensive downgrade. But Bogdanovich can play make a little bit. Wesley Matthews can play make a little bit. Super amped to have Bogdan Bogdanovich. He can bang 37.5% from three. You can't leave him. So they got a point guard who you can't leave and a shooting guard who you can't leave. That makes life easier for Giannis. That makes life easier for Chris Middleton. And Brooke Lopez can either bang around in the paint or he can go out on the perimeter too. Another player you can't leave. So the Bucs are shedding these players that you don't need to defend. The the, the problem with Bledsoe is teams wouldn't need to defend him in the postseason. 
because he couldn't catch and shoot. You could just leave him, and you could double-team Giannis. Now Giannis's life going to get a little bit easier. And you know what's amazing about all of these deals? And this is what makes me so, so, so happy. They did all of this without having to lose Brooke Lopez, who's so important to what they do defensively. And he can get buckets, too. Give Brooke Lopez his respect. We'll talk about who's left on this roster, where they go from here. And I know the Bucks traded away three first-round picks. That seems like a lot, and it is. I'm here to tell you that it's really not that big of a deal. I'm here to put your mind at ease. We'll continue to talk about the Bucks, their big uh, set of moves made in the last 24 hours. And we'll get to the Packers and the NFL as well before too long. My name, Grant Bills. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having an excellent day. Bucks fans, at least we're having an exciting day. Bringing in two big new names, Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. A walking bucket with the first name, same as the last. I'm going to try to sell you on both of these moves. I, I don't I don't know if these moves make the Bucks the favorites in the East or the, the favorites in the league. I'm not saying that. But today, I'm certainly more excited about the Bucks. The Bucks are certainly better today than they were yesterday. And, and I don't think running it back was an option. I don't think trying a third time with Eric Bledsoe and hoping for a different result, I, I don't think that was an option. So today we're breaking these moves down, talking about what the Bucks' future might look like, especially over the next week or two here, because they have seven players currently on their roster. Seven. So they got some work to do. Not a lot of money to do it with. But then again, most teams don't have a ton of money right now. Trying to put it all into perspective, and you can join. Tweet at me, at Wisco Grant. Text the show, 608-796-2558. Big Joe, appreciate you tweeting in, says, I love the moves. I do too, Joe. I love the enthusiasm. Now what does the bench need? Well, it needs warm bodies. <laughs> it needs uh, players who are alive who can play basketball because they are currently without players who are alive that can play basketball right now. Their roster is a little bit short. Coming up later on in the show, maybe we'll look at some possible names. We just, the landscape really has yet to settle, Big Joe. So I appreciate your enthusiasm and your curiosity. I'm curious too, but we got to see how a couple of different scenarios play out, who opts into their player options, who opts out? Maybe somebody gets cut. Uh, that kind of thing. Maybe the Bucks swing another trade, although they really don't have anything to trade with right now. Who's going to fill out the bench? Uh, my early guess is some second-round picks. Um, that would be my guess. They bought a couple from the Pelicans, so they will have some selections tomorrow night, and they're gonna they're gonna have to hit on some of those because those players are going to be expected to play bench minutes right away, unless the Bucks go and you know sign a bunch of veterans at the minimum. I expect they'll do both. I know a lot of Bucks fans last night uh, and earlier today were freaked out, even with the new players, Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. A lot of fans seem freaked out over the Bucks giving up three first rounders and a couple of pick swaps. And part of that panic over those first round picks is driven by the media. I sound like a political commentator now, but part of that panic over the, the draft compensation is driven by the media. And it's a phenomenon of their own creation, and I absolutely hate it because the NBA media eats itself all the time. A couple of months ago, I talked about this with Giannis. For years, the NBA media wanted Giannis to shoot threes. He would win an MVP or a most improved, or he'd hit a buzzer beater. He, he, was, he was growing and maturing and developing as a player right in front of our eyes. And the Bucks were getting a little bit better every year, Giannis getting better every year. And what did the NBA media want? Shoot threes. Shoot three. When he'll be able to shoot threes, he'll be unstoppable. Come back. Yeah, Giannis can come back when he can shoot threes. He's got to be able to shoot the three. And then what happened this last postseason? Giannis is shooting threes, not at the most effective clip. He was in the mid-30s, right? But viable. And what did the media say? Why is Giannis shooting threes? Why He needs to be by the basket. Why is he shooting threes? Because you asked him to. Bunch of morons. I hate. I love and hate the NBA media. And part of the panic over those three first-round picks last night was driven by the NBA media because what have we heard for the last couple of weeks? Hey, the Bucs the Bucks got to do something big. The Bucs the Bucks have got to do something big. They have to make a huge move to convince Giannis to stay in that putrid, horrible, miserable city of Milwaukee. If Giannis has a hope at staying there, that horrible place, the Bucs have got to do something big. And then what happens last night? The Bucs do something big, and the media freaks out. As if NBA first-round picks matter that much outside of the top five. For those of you who may not be the biggest NBA fans, maybe you're here for the Packers talk or the Brewers talk, or maybe you just like the sound of my voice. I don't know. If that's the case, I appreciate you bearing with me because I understand the NBA isn't for 
everyone. Let me explain something that's very, very important. The NFL and the NBA are very different leagues in a lot of different ways, but especially in the way that the draft is done. And this is understandable, right? Because NBA rosters are 14, NFL rosters are 53. There's a lot fewer players in the NBA than there is in the NFL. So the draft isn't as big. Not as many players come into the league every year. That's that's common sense. And you have to understand, NFL first-round picks are they're gold. They are the foundation of your team. They're a pipeline of young, talented players coming in every year, and they're cheap young players. So they balance out the financial spreadsheet of a team, right? The, the Packers can pay David Bakhtiari a bunch of money because Jair Alexander and Kevin King are on rookie deals, and Aaron Jones is on a rookie deal. Good draft picks financially balance a team. NFL first-round picks are worth their weight in gold. You want to hear the string of, of first-round picks from the Bucks in the last decade starting in 2012? John Henson, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jabari Parker, Rashad Vaughn, Vaughn Maker, DJ Wilson, and Dante DiVincenzo. How many players are still on the Bucks from that run of first-round picks? Giannis is still here. DJ and Dante just got dealt yesterday. Otherwise, Thon Maker busted out. Rashad Vaughn busted out badly. John Henson was a solid, he's a solid pro, but moved on to Cleveland, never to be seen from again, and Jabari got hurt. Jabari was a second overall pick, and he's clinging to the bottom of the roster in Sacramento. My Kings. First-round picks aren't the same in the NBA as they are in the NFL, and contending NBA teams should always, always be willing to trade picks. Always. If the Bucs don't win it this year, I'm not going to be able to look back and think, man, what would the Bucs have been able to do had they traded XYZ? What could have been if only the Bucs would have fill in the blank? No, I, I, I think this is, this is about the best they could do. And if Giannis wants to leave after this year, okay. The Bucs really gave it all they had. Remember the 2018 Brewers? Looking back, do you think maybe they should have possibly traded Keston here? I love Keston here, but just think about it. Right? If they were able to bring in Manny Machado... Maybe they score a couple of extra runs against the Dodgers. They make it to the World Series. Who knows? Now looking back, we're like, man, 2018, that was the year. But in the moment, in 2018, we're like, well, we can't give up all the prospects. We got to protect the future, too. Well, the Brewers still ended up with a trash farm system near the bottom of of the majors. So you tell me, right? In the NBA as well, first-round picks are really easy to recoup. If Giannis leaves, then the Bucs take their high-priced contract. They take Chris Middleton, take Brooke Lopez, Trade them away, get picks. And then what the Bucs could do is, is take high-priced contracts from other teams. First-round picks are used as assets. Contracts are used as assets in the NBA. That's what Ursan Ilyasova was, right? The Kings were like, hey, we'll take Ursan Ilyasova off your plate, but you got to give us a pick too. And if the Bucs go into the tank, that's what they can do. Hey, uh, we'll take that terrible, miserable contract off your hands, but you got to throw in a first-round pick, right? They're easy to recoup. That's what the Thunder did with Chris Paul. It just worked out really well because they were able to flip Chris Paul after one great season. Thunder didn't expect that. That's what the Kings are doing. That's what the Pelicans are doing. The Pelicans are taking on all these bummy contracts like Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. They're just asking for some picks, some scratch in return. Make it worth our while. We'll take a pick. We'll take a pick. We'll we'll take a bad contract, too. That's what teams do. First rounders aren't that hard to come by. They're bought and sold all the time. All the time. So don't be worried about three first round picks. Don't don't worry about it. We'll talk more about that and, and the Bucks' idea of quote going all in because I know a lot of people were saying that. Well, unlike the Packers, the Bucks they finally went all in. Well, I mean, kind of yes and no because the idea of trading draft picks in the NBA is very different than trading draft picks in the NFL. Very very different. We'll talk about the Bucks bench, the rest of the roster when we come back, and we'll also get into football. The Vikings at the Bears last night. Yow, tough. Tough scene for the NFL. And we knew it was coming, and it was still terrible, wasn't it? All that coming up next. My name, Grant Bills. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Thanks for hanging out. My name is Grant Bills. Follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. If you enjoy the show, or I don't know, maybe you hate the show and you want to just yell at me about it. That's cool, too. Tweet at me, at Wisco Grant. You can text the show, 608-796-2558. That's the talking text line. We're talking Bucks. Although if the NBA isn't your thing, don't worry. We'll have NFL talk coming up here in about 10 or 12 minutes. The Bucks have completely got me to buy back into the NBA in a matter of 24 hours. Because if you remember, up until yesterday, the NBA and I were on we're on a little bit of a break. We're not done with each other. We're not breaking up, but we're on a break. 
just need a moment to ourselves, find ourselves, right? You need to learn to be alone before you can learn to be with someone. And I was learning to be alone. And last night, I came crawling back to my ex-lover, uh, the NBA. I'm back. Bucks making two trades, one for Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's one of my favorite players in the whole league from one of my teams, one of my favorite teams in the whole league, the Sacramento Kings. They also added Drew Holiday to replace Eric Bledsoe from the Pelicans. This was the Bucks' current roster as it stands as of this moment right now. And I shared this on some of our social media pages for our station WKTY here in Lacrosse. It's a fairly empty roster. The starting five, in my opinion, is set because I don't think they're going to sign or get anyone else to supplant any of these five from the starting lineup. The bench is almost non-existent. Uh, and I don't, I don't say so talent-wise. I, it's like it's almost not there. They have no one. This is the current roster, and the starting five, I imagine, as it will be presented on opening day, because I don't think any move is coming to change this up. Drew Holiday, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. The entire bench is Thanasis, Antetokounmpo, and Justin James, who was sent back from Sacramento, probably because John Horst is like, dude, we just need a body. Like, who do you like? Just send us someone. <laughs> and... Vlade, well, Vladi's not in charge of the, the Kings. It's McNair now, Monty McNair. So McNair is like, here, take ju- take Justin James. You'll like him. Hey, Justin, go to Milwaukee. You'll like it there. There's beer. Like, that's that was the extent of that portion of the trade. Just need a warm body. Just send us someone back. We need more than six players on our roster. Now, some fans may be panicking a little bit. Oh, my God, the Bucks don't have anybody. How are they going don't, to... Don't panic. This free agency doesn't technically begin... Until the end of this week, there's still a long road to hoe. Now, a big flurry of moves happened in the last 24 hours, especially for the Bucks and for the Lakers, who added Dennis Schroeder, and for the Suns, who added Chris Paul, but there's a lot of movement yet to come. And I would certainly feel more comfortable if the Bucks had another player or two, but for now, it's okay. It's cool. I'm, I'm down with it. I, I can vibe with two, two men on the bench so far for a couple of different reasons. I, I think there's a couple of reasons to like the Bucks' empty roster right now. Now, once again... If, if I could have Lou Williams, okay, I'll take Lou Williams. If you give me a great bench player, I'll take a great bench player. I would have liked to keep George Hill, although I don't know how much left he's got in the tank. I would love to have a backup point guard, uh, a backup whatever. I'd love for Robin Lopez to be on the roster. So don't get me wrong. I, I, I want good players, but there's not necessarily many reasons to hate this Bucks empty roster. In fact, there's a couple of reasons to actually like it. Firstly, the Bucks are flexible. And flexibility is an asset in the NBA. Quite literally, flexibility as an idea, as a concept, as an asset is traded back and forth all the time. In the NBA, you trade for expiring contracts, right? If a team wants cap space, if a team is looking to add free agents in the upcoming offseason, said team will trade draft picks for a player who is on the last year of their deal, knowing that once that contract is up, then there will be cap space then there will be free money to sign free agents. In the NBA, you trade flexibility literally as an asset. This doesn't really happen in the NFL. Now, sometimes the NFL, I remember the the Browns traded for Brock Osweiler. They took on money to get a second round pick, but, but they didn't take on an expiring contract for the sake of cap space. This happens in the NBA all the time where we do a trade. Uh, what do you need in return? Okay. We'll throw in an expiring deal to give you some flexibility moving forward. You're not trading for the player. You're trading for the flexibility the player and that player's contract provides. And the Bucks, although they don't have a lot of money, they are flexible to add whoever they want as long as they don't cost very much. <laughs> the flexibility to an extent because their roster is very, very empty. The door is wide open and they're not tied down by contracts or, or an albatross type of player that's stuck in their, you know, six, seven eight-man rotation. Ursan ain't on the books anymore. You don't have to worry about minutes for Dante, developmental minutes for Dante or DJ Wilson. Spoiler alert, DJ's not gonna, he ain't developing. George Hill's not there anymore. They have flexibility. There's a wide open door. The Bucks can say, look, free agent to be named. Uh, Come play with us. You can be our sixth man right off the bat. We can promise playing time and a chance to contend. We can't give you very much money well, if they're talking to a veteran, supposedly that veteran has played a long career, made the money they're looking for. Hey, come chase a ring with us. We have the flexibility and we have the opportunity that only a seven-man roster can provide. And right now the Bucks have seven men on their roster. Flexibility. Point number one, to not be super upset about the current situation. Another reason to like the Bucks, uh, the Bucks' empty roster. 
Teams have no money. We're living in a pandemic. I don't know if you forgot, if nobody's reminded you in a while. Teams have no money, so a lot of players are going to be cut just to save money against the cap because there's not an excess of money. There are no fans at games, for God's sake. So a lot of players are going to be cut, and I think we'll see this in the NFL too, where there will be a lot of players available that in a normal year just wouldn't be available because teams wouldn't cut them. Teams wouldn't let them reach free agency or they wouldn't get rid of them. Borderline veteran players are going to be cut to save money, and if there was ever a time to need a veteran ring chaser and have the the roster space for that veteran ring chaser, it would be now, the offseason of the pandemic. A weird silver lining for the Bucks in their quest to contend and keep their superstar Giannis Antetokounmpo. Flexibility, right? Market saturation, a lot of players available. So you pair that flexibility with lots of options. The Bucks can pitch a lot of different players to come in and chase a ring because they have the space. They have the minutes to give away right now, which is an asset in and of itself. They have playing time to offer, which not a lot of teams necessarily do. Lastly, and this is a personal theory and something that I was thinking about last night. I was thinking about it in the shower this morning. I do a lot of deep thinking in the shower. This is a personal theory, and I don't have any financial or statistical evidence to back this up. I have some anecdotal evidence, but I don't have anything related to money or statistics. But I feel like this is common sense. The way the Bucks roster is currently constructed presents an attitude and an aura that confident championship contending teams are supposed to exude. The Bucks are giving off the illusion or the vibe or whatever word you want to use. They're giving off the impression that a championship confident contending team should want to be giving off the vibe of, hey, come play with us. We're going to chase a championship. You want, it? you want to be along for the ride? Join. We got space for you. Hop on the bus. They're not sprinting all over every corner of every NBA market trying to find their sixth and seventh man. No, they'll come to us. We have the reigning MVP. We just got Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Chris Middleton, 40-50-90 guy, almost an all-pro. He's here too, Brooke Lopez. Everybody loves Brooke Lopez. Come play in this brand new arena in Milwaukee. Come chase a ring in the twilight of your careers. You know, presumably talking to veteran players who've been around a while who are now looking to ring chase. And this is what teams have done in the past. You think of the Miami Heat after 2011-2012. The Heat added Shane Battier, who ended up being... I mean, there was a Sports Illustrated piece done on Shane Battier in 2012. He was such an important cog in their beating of the Oklahoma City Thunder and Kevin Durant. Shane Battier, who'd played a long career, made his money, and now wanted to be a role player and contend for a title. Shane Battier came in in 2012-2013 and helped the Heat win a title. And then the next year, what did they do? They added Ray Allen, who was chasing a ring. They added the Birdman, Chris Anderson, who was playing for next to nothing but played a big role on that team. Think of the 2016 Warriors in their evolution after they lost. And, and then they got Kevin Durant, so they have no money. But what did they do? They presented opportunity to a guy like Matt Barnes or Zaza Pachulia or David West. Right? Not a lot of money, but they can present an opportunity. Hey, you want to come You want to come chase a ring? Hop aboard. We have room. We got minutes. You, you want to play a couple of minutes in the third and, and in the second quarter? End of the first quarter? Come join. We have the opportunity. Not a lot of money, but if you're talking to veteran players like the aforementioned Shane Battier, or the previously mentioned, I, I don't know what the perfect word would be. We're talking about Shane Battier. Shane Battier had a long career, made his money. He jumped on the heat because he wanted to chase a ring in his last couple of years. Same with Ray Allen. He had his rings and his money. Ray Allen was just, I think, doing it to be a tool, too. Chris Anderson, Matt Barnes, Zaza Pachulia, David West, they all wanted to win a ring. They had all made their money, made their careers. And there's going to be a lot of guys like that on the market in the next week. NBA contending teams like the Heat, like the Warriors, they don't hunt down bench players. They don't grovel for mid-level exception veteran minimum level players. They don't lose sleep over the ninth man. Well, can you name players on the Lakers bench? The Lakers, you just won a title. Who, who can you name on the bench? Kyle Kuzma, but that's because he's on the Lakers, not because he's any good. You talk about Avery Bradley, sure, but Avery Bradley opted out. Jared Dudley? Rajon Rondo? That's that's their depth pieces? If the Lakers can win a title with those depth pieces off the brilliance of their superstars, I think the Bucks, who, sure, don't have LeBron James and sure don't have Anthony Davis, but I think collectively their four best players, I mean, that's, that's a pretty strong top-heavy team. You don't need a whole lot in the reserves. Bucks get a couple of veterans, a couple of guys who want to chase a ring and compete. I think they'll be okay. Get a great starting five, of which I think the Bucks have. Build momentum, build excitement, and the ring chasers will come to you. Build it, and they will come, right? And I think the Bucks 
I think the Bucks maybe have built it. Also, Bud can't play his bench players in the postseason. If he doesn't have any bench players, John Horst playing chess. Coach Bud's still trying to play checkers. It's like the scene in Moneyball, right? Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. They don't want uh, Art. What's the, the manager's name? His first name is Art. They don't want the manager playing Pena at first base. They want their guy in there. So what they do? They trade a Pena for a reliever and cash. They traded him for nothing. John Horst is like, hey, Coach Bud, oh, you want to run an all-bench lineup out there in the first quarter? Hey, guess what? I'm trading your entire bench. Piss off. Play your stars. I don't wait, John Horst. Did John Horst go to UW Lacrosse? Why can't he be the honorary UWL Eagle? Not Brian Gudikins, who's uh, taking a little heat from Wisconsin sports fans as of late. Let's talk football. Let's take a quick break from the NBA. Let's talk Vikings and Bears, if you want to call that football. Monday night, last night. We knew it was going to be bad. It was bad, and yet somehow we still suffered through it. We'll talk about the Vikings and the Bears. Coming up next, Wisco Sports Show rolling on after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Thanks for tuning in and hanging out. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having a swell night. Talking about the Bucks, although I do want to get into football here in just a minute, if that's what you want to call it. Last night, Monday Night Football, um, Vikings, Bears, sheesh. Although that is good, hardcore, classic NFC North football, right? Defense, spe- special teams, I, I don't know. Ugly Soldier Field, all the above. Couple of texts coming in, 608-796-2558. Private Bink says, gotta love the trade, especially if it proves that we are trying to be a powerhouse for the next few years. Ultimately, Giannis will want to stay in Milwaukee. I hope so. I hope so. I, I think this move shows that the Bucks are willing to be aggressive and not be content, right? The, the organization could have been content and said, look, we're winning 60 games a year. Let's try it again this year. But they didn't do that. Um, now, whether it works out or not, we'll see. But they were not content, which I think is, is a positive sign for Giannis if he needs to be proved uh, that the organization is committed to winning. Uh, TC, any chance the Bucks players that were traded are cut by the acquiring team to possibly get back? Uh, no. I mean, maybe I'd have to look at some contracts. That kind of thing typically doesn't happen in the NBA. I, I could go look. I'm not prepared to answer that, TC, but maybe some point down the, the road before 6 o'clock, we can, we can dig into that a little bit. Andy says, I'm hoping that it forces Bud to keep his good players on the floor a little bit longer. Well, Andy... Bud only has seven players to work with right now, so they're they're well on their way to that. Uh, Chuck says, your thoughts on the Bucks taking Marcus Howard late in the second round tomorrow night? Well, well, here's the thing, Chuck, and after this, I do want to get into football. There's a really solid chance tomorrow night that when the Bucks take a couple of second round selections, that they are taking players like Marcus Howard, college basketball players that have been in college for a couple of years and that are more developed. Uh, a couple of examples over that. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is a really good comparison. They're going to try to draft Malcolm Brogdon's tomorrow because they need players that can step in and be ready to go day one because they don't really have a bench, right? They need guys who are ready. They don't need projects. They need finished players. Even if the ceiling isn't as high as, say, a, a project player type like Thon Maker, they're going to go for Malcolm Brogdon, system player who's lots of experience, who's mature, because they're going to need guys like that to contribute this year. So, Chuck, yes, Marcus Howard types. I don't know specifically about Marcus Howard, um, but a Marcus Howard type. You're on the right track, and I appreciate the text, Chuck. 608-796-2558. Evan, I'm, I'm feeling the good vibes as well. He tweets in, as does Mr. Packer Guy and Big Joe Veek. Uh, appreciate all of you. We'll get back into the Bucks after 5 o'clock. I do want to talk about football for just a couple of minutes. The Vikings beat the Bears last night, 19-13. Kirk Cousins getting his first win ever on Monday Night Football. What did he go? 1-9 and nine now? 1-8, and 1-9? Something like that. It wasn't pretty. And if you watched, it's no secret. I don't need to tell you that that game was not pretty. I think 90% of the people who are in sports media who talk about the Bears and the Vikings are wrong about both of these teams. I know that sounds really arrogant. Might sound a little cocky. I might even sound kind of like a jerk when I say that. I, I I think most people, when they talk about the Vikings and they talk about the Bears, they're wrong. I think, I think they're really, really wrong. The narratives about both of these teams have gotten so out of control. Like, the Vikings have won a couple of games in a row now, right? They've been playing a little bit better. Well, you know why? Because they're not playing great teams. The first couple of weeks, they played Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Uh, who's the quarterback of the Titans? Why can I not? Ryan Tannehill. Thank you. My God, what a brain fart. They played Matt Ryan, and they lost a bunch of games. They got off to a terrible start. They got a 1-5 start. And then the Vikings start winning. And everybody's like, oh, the Vikings have turned around. The Vikings are a contender. No, they've played the Bears. 
and they've played the Lions, who were missing Matthew Stafford for a portion of that game. And coming up, they're going to play the Cowboys and the Panthers and the Jags. So the Vikings are going to win some games. This isn't hard, right? The, the Vikings have been what they've always been since the first week. Now, maybe they've gotten a little bit better because their young secondary gets a little bit more experience. Justin Jefferson gets more experience. But the Vikings have been what they have been since week one. And I feel like I, I'm the only one with an even-keeled approach. Week three, I'm like, no, the Vikings aren't that bad. They've played some good teams. They have a young secondary. They'll figure it out. And what happened? They figured it out. And now everyone is way overcorrecting because everyone thought the Vikings would draft Justin Fields. So now they feel like they need to overcompensate by giving the Vikings way too much credit. No, no. The truth is in the middle. I've been, I'm the only one talking about this with the Vikings. The Bears, same thing. Bears is the same thing. It's like, oh, the Bears, they've really dropped off. No, not really. They were due for regression. In a few areas, red zone defense, turnover-worthy plays, all these areas that were just ripe for regression, they finally regressed. And the Bears have lost a couple games in a row, and their offense is miserable. So is the Vikings' offense, by the way. Gary Kubiak and Bill Lazor, who was calling plays for the Bears last night. I'm not calling them stupid, but the games they called last night were really, really stupid. The Bears have Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. The Vikings have a bad secondary. Am I missing something? Like, did the NFL change the rules to outlaw the forward pass? Because it's third and four, fourth and five. And what are the Bears doing? They're throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Why? I I don't know. Somebody asked Bill Lazor. Maybe Bill Lazor went blind and he couldn't see what was going on last night because that's the only explanation for why he would call that game. Or, like I said, the NFL maybe outlawed the forward pass and didn't tell anybody except Bill Lazor. What a joke. The It's the same thing. What was Gary Kubiak doing last night? It was so, I, Dalvin Cook, oh, Dalvin Cook's the MVP. Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook almost lost the Vikings the game last night. Not by him. It wasn't Dalvin Cook's fault. It was Gary Kubiak's fault because he kept giving him the ball. The Bears' pass defense isn't good. Spo- spoiler alert. Other than Kyle Fuller, the Bears' pass defense ain't that good. Buster Screen is having a bad night last night. Kirk was dealing, as weird as it sounds. Justin Jefferson was on one. Adam, especially on third down. Justin Jefferson on third down was amazing. And Adam Thielen was cooking as well. And... What, what did they do? No, they kept giving the ball to Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook got 30 carries last night at less than three and a half yards per pop. I, I don't get it. Anytime they drop back to pass to Thielen or to Jefferson, they were getting these big chunk plays. And every time it happened, Gary Kubiak and Mike Zimmer were like, hey, hey, everyone, calm down, calm down, calm down. Let's hand the ball off. Run into a brick wall. No, you got to make sure Dalvin Cook gets 30 carries a game. Anytime you can set yourself up in third and 10 by running Dalvin Cook into Akeem Hook or Dalvin Cook into Akeem Hicks, just, you got to do it, right, Vikes? You got to do it. I, it was so frustrating to watch last night. It's like the Bears didn't know they could throw the ball down the field. It's like the Vikings didn't know that they were succeeding throwing the ball down the field. Two teams, the solution's right there and under their nose, and both teams were just ignoring it. Really obnoxious. Neither one of those teams were any good. And I was listening to a little bit of the Vikings radio network last night. At one point, Pete Bursich and Paul Allen were agreeing that the Vikings offense has been dominant tonight. Okay. 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 Now, maybe they could have had a dominant performance had their play caller actually called the plays that were working. Like, oh, we're, we're having success passing the football. Maybe let's pass the football some more. It's 2020. I don't care how good Dalvin Cook is against that defense. Why would you give him 20 carries, let alone 30? My guy, it just, it was painful to watch. Is really, really painful to watch. And the Bears, there's the Bears are as bad as advertised. In the second half last night, going into the final possession, the Bears had 14 yards of offense. 14. And I don't even know. Did they pick up a yard on their final possession when they brought their backup in? I don't think so. God, what a what a disgusting display of offense. You want to hear some stats about the Bears? Uh points per game, they're 31st. Points per drive, they're 31st. Yards per game, they're 31st. Yards per play, 31st. First downs a game, 31st. Third down percentage, 31st. Average drive distance, 31st. Efficiency, 31st. You want to know who's last in every category? Just preventing Matt Nagy, the offensive guru, the disciple of Andy Reid. It's the Jets. They They are better than only the Jets in all of those very crucial offensive categories. That was disgusting. And I knew that game was going to be disgusting going in. I had my expectations set correctly, and I was still offended by the display of offensive football that I had to watch. Not just from the Bears. Like, Vikings fans today are like, oh, the Bears defense, Bears offense is bad. Oh, my God, can you believe it? Uh, the Vikings offense was just as worse because they were actually having success throwing the ball. They were just electing not to do it for whatever reason. Oh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are really good? Nah. Let's run Dalvin Cook 30 times in the year of our Lord 2020 when no one is doing that. 
I don't care if you have prime Adrian Peterson, which Dalvin Cook is pretty close to. Don't care. Don't run him 30 times. That's that's stupid. Let's get back into the NBA. We'll talk about what the Bucks did. We'll hear from Aaron Rodgers before 6 o'clock as well. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Grant Bills is my name. I am your host. Hope you're having a good night. Bucks making moves. It is exciting. There's a new energy in the NBA today, a new energy in Bucks fandom today. A couple of texts to get to. Uh, Binksy, Private Binks says no Giannis equals no championship. Absolutely. Talk more about that in a minute. Brett says, does the Harrow Giannis move get announced tonight? No, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna do that next week, Brett. We want to Want to make sure no other offers come in. I don't know how you could be Tyler Hero straight up for Giannis, but no, I think, I think we're going to get to that next week. Tweets from Mr. Packers guy. Once again, comparing uh, the Packers to the Bucks. I, I don't like that, but I like that you brought it up because I actually want to talk about that coming up at quarter to six. We'll get to that in about a half hour. At Wisco Grant, that's where you can find me on Twitter. Text me 608-796-2558. Let's talk about the prospects of Giannis Antetokounmpo resigning because that's that's what we're really doing here, right? Like that's that's what we're shooting for. It's what we're trying for. It's what we're, the, everything is done with the idea that it will help Giannis re-sign in Milwaukee. It's like that episode of The Office where Creed is like, "Well, if I can't scuba, what have, what have we been working towards? What am I? What are we doing?" Right? The scuba in this equation is Giannis signing that supermax extension. And I'm seeing, hearing, reading today that many folks are seeing and hearing that Giannis will sign the supermax. Now, these league circles must be very tight because I feel like information like that would leak and be very official. I don't know why it would like partially leak to where only a couple people hear it. And then those couple people are like, well, I'm hearing I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I'm hearing. I just feel like if that information was out there, it would blow up. But some people today are saying, yeah, I'm hearing that Giannis is going to re-sign the Supermax. And I'm hopeful that that's true. But as a fan, a little bit concerned, I, I won't believe that until it happens. I'm a worrier. What I do. So until Giannis puts pen to paper and signs that contract, I'm, I ain't getting my hopes up. I think Giannis is going to resign, but I don't agree with most people's logic on why. Particularly Nick Wright, who I really like. He's on Sirius XM Radio. He's on Fox. Uh, and I like Nick a lot, especially when it comes to the NBA, because I think he actually has common sense takes. Where a lot of NBA fans it's and voices, it's just like, well, big markets and everything else. And it's not just a small market thing. I, I like his takes. This is a take that I I just think makes zero sense. He's arguing that Giannis is going to resign, and while I don't inherently disagree with him, I think his logic is terrible. What I was hearing <laughs> is that Milwaukee and the league believes that Giannis is going to sign the Supermax when offered, and to me, this move is just further confirmation of it because they gave up, pick-wise, what the Lakers gave up for Anthony Davis. They gave up three firsts and two swaps for Drew Holiday. There is no chance you do that, Broussard, unless you are fully confident that Giannis is going to stay there. Because if Giannis were to leave, then those picks become super valuable. So I I, I didn't want to go on television yesterday and say that I was hearing Giannis is going to sign the Supermax, but I'll do it today because now there's further confirmation. Giannis, I believe, and I've been told the league believes, is not only strongly leaning towards, but has all but decided to sign that Supermax in Milwaukee. I think the Bucks know that, Chris, which is why they were okay laying out this type of future risk to sign Holiday, who, by the way, is on an expiring contract. By the way, I don't disagree with Nick. If he's hearing that the Bucks are, are feeling like Giannis is going to resign, sign the Supermax, I'm, I, I don't disagree with that. I'm not arguing that Giannis is going to leave, okay? I think Giannis will probably sign the Supermax. That's a lot of money. I, I don't really think he's shown any crazy, obvious sign of leaving. I, I would just, I would bet my money on him staying. Maybe I'm trying to be a little optimistic. Maybe that's my phantom. I, I don't know. I'm not disagreeing with Nick's conclusion. The entire premise is trash, which is why I really haven't talked about this. Like, I haven't speculated on whether Giannis is going to stay or leave. Is because we don't really have any evidence one way or another other than some weird rumors that I don't really think are based in fact. They're just rumors. Which is why we haven't talked about it. I, have I done a segment in the last month on whether Giannis will stay or leave? No. Because we don't really have anything to go off of. Now, Nick tries to lay out some evidence, and I just I don't think any of it sticks. His number one argument is that the Bucks wouldn't give up three first-round picks unless they know their player is going to stay. 
Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. You give up all the picks it takes to convince them to stay. Hey, Giannis, are you staying? Yep, I'm staying. Okay, well, we're going to go give up three-round picks. Bye. No, that, make, that makes zero sense. You don't clutch on to picks in the event that your star leaves. You trade every pick you have and fire every bullet in the clip to ensure that that player wants to stay. Remember a couple of years ago when LeBron was leaving Cleveland and the Cavs would not trade away the pick that I think they got from Boston, the Brooklyn pick that they got for Kyrie Irving in the in the trade that also brought them Isaiah Thomas and I think Jay Crowder, right? Cleveland had that pick, which is going to be a top 10 pick, and they kept it because, oh, well, if LeBron leaves, we want to have that pick. Oh, if LeBron leaves, that pick's our future. No, that pick became Colin Sexton, who's butt. Like, he's not any good. How'd that work out? Oh, we wanted to hold on to that pick in the event that LeBron leaves. No, you don't. You want to trade that pick to maximize LeBron while you have him. And it's funny because I know Nick Wright as a LeBron stan. I could go back and find the receipts of him yelling and arguing for Cleveland to trade away that pick to make LeBron happy and to convince him to stay. Colin Sexton isn't your future. Another argument he makes. If Giannis leaves, those picks become super valuable. You don't trade away three first-round picks if you don't think Giannis is staying because if Giannis leaves, those picks become valuable. Can those picks all combine to get another Giannis? No. Then they are worth more now with Giannis than they could ever be in the future without him. It doesn't matter how deep the drafts are. If Giannis leaves, those picks become valuable. No, they don't. They become middle-of-the-pack picks, and the Bucks become irrelevant. Those picks right now are worth their weight in gold in comparison to what they would be worth two years down the road after Giannis has left. And then, assumedly, Drew Holiday has left as well because he's a one-year rental at this point. That premise is really, really flawed. And the final premise, and this is... <clears throat> and I like Nick. I don't want to get mad at this. This got my blood boiling. Never, ever compare trades between the Bucks and the Lakers. And along these same lines, never, ever... Compare trades between the Brewers and the Dodgers. You want to see me get mad? You want to see me in a bad mood, at least a sports bad mood? That's how you do it. You tell me, well, Grant, the Dodgers traded this for this player. Why couldn't the Brewers? Shut up. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. They're not the same. Well, Grant, the Lakers traded this. Why couldn't the Shut up. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. That will put me in a bad mood. The idea that the Bucks and the Lakers are on even ground in any trade that they make in an attempt to win a title is Patently absurd, and I will reject it on its face. Well, the Bucks gave up the same amount of picks for Drew Holiday as the Lakers gave up for Anthony Davis. That means Giannis. Is, no, it don't. No, it does. The Bucks have to. The Bucks have to give up those picks because Giannis is their only chance at being competitive for the next ten years. The Lakers could piss away all of those picks and ten more, and they'd be fine because the Lakers will always be fine because they're the Lakers. They're not the same. They're not the same. I love Nick. I love Nick. And I love that he thinks Giannis is going to resign. I just wish he would have provided one bit of evidence that was worth an ounce. It was worth a single thing. Don't ever. Oh, my God. You want to get me, you want to get me mad on the show? Call in and explain to me that the Dodgers or the Yankees made a trade and then complain to me why the Brewers didn't do the same thing and I'll punch a hole through this computer monitor. Nothing makes me more mad in the sports world. I suppose real life things could, could get me going, too. But in the sports world, there's there's nothing that makes me more upset. The comparing a Lakers trade and a Bucks trade, get out of here. Blocked, banned. You're done on Twitter, on the talking text line. You're done. It's over. Bye. Let's talk about football. We'll get into Aaron Rodgers and what he had to say. He joined the Pat McAfee show. Here for number 12 after their win. Even talks about David Bakhtiari a little bit. That coming up next. You're on the